Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, the staff for new coach Adrian Griffin continues to round out and uh, circling back on some of the things that Kane and Frank talked about, specifically another surgery for Chris Middleton. What does it mean for him and the Bucks offseason as a whole? We'll get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. On Bucks, I'm Justin Garcia filling in for Kane Pittman, who once again pulling NBA Finals duties. I think as as we speak, he is en route to the arena in Miami. Tough life to live to uh, cover Game Four of the NBA Finals. Today's episode brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com/slash/lockedonNBA when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler tumbler with every order i can attest i'm wearing a pair of bird dogs right now as well uh grant and, and the man joining me now for the show you can hear him in madison in lacrosse on the wisco sports show you seem like a guy that that would be a bird dogs guy grant bills i uh i don't have bird dogs the specific i have those style of shorts on today okay. i like to show off the thigh and all of my coworkers like it's not, they're not like short, short running shorts, but you know, you no. can see a little thigh and knee. And my coworkers are always like, you look very athletic today. I'm like, you're wearing pajama pants. Like we work in radio. Why do we, we don't need to comment on what we're wearing. None of us can speak on this. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say about you, I think we're to the point, you can't wear anything above seven inch in seam shorts. Like if you're a guy at this point, it's not the nineties. So it's, it's gotta be seven or shorter. That's fine. I also have no idea what that means. I could not tell you the size of my pants off the top of my head because they go what waist and then length. No yeah. idea. So seven, that sounds like a good number. I just, I don't have a frame of reference for that. Uh, so I mentioned at the the top here, a couple of things to, to get into. And I know one of them, Kane and uh, Frank talked about a little bit on uh, yesterday's show, the deep dive, the immersive deep dive into the CBA with Frank. And there is a part two of that coming. So if you missed it, uh, go back and uh, listen to that. Any questions that you have about the CBA and the cap, Frank did a good job of explaining uh, a lot of that and the a lot that the Bucks find themselves in this uh, summer here. But one of the things they did uh, briefly touch on towards the end was uh, the news, and I don't think it's entirely unexpected, that Chris Middleton had another procedure on his, I believe, left knee, not the knee that uh, that he suffered the injury against the Bulls on uh, but another procedure for Chris Middleton, I'll, I'll preface with this. We were told he's expected to be ready in July and will be ready by the start of training camp. Um, I have no reason to doubt that, but I feel like we heard He's similar, like similar like messaging uh, a year ago. I was going to say, it seems like you do have reason to doubt. You could say you don't have reason. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there'll be more of a sense of urgency with the team this year. Cause I, and I'm, I talked about this with a caller on my show the other night, Justin is, 
right? They lost to the Heat in the bubble, and then they were upset about it the next year, and they came back, and they they really gave it to the Heat. And that was a motivated team. And, and you would know more about that, and you've told me that directly on the show and in conversations we had. And then they won the title. They came back the next year, and they lose because Chris Middleton got hurt. And we said that as fans to make ourselves feel better. Maybe the team bought into that just a little bit, where they thought, well, we would have made it farther. We would have been at least in the finals last year had Middleton not got hurt. So I don't know if they came out this year with the urgency that maybe they would have, like if they would have lost with Middleton or if it would have ended differently, maybe we would have seen a more motivated Bucks team this year. But I think because Middleton got hurt and that's everyone said that, well, the Bucks would have won the finals if not for Middleton's injury. And maybe the team took that messaging to heart a little bit. And maybe that's why there was a little bit of lack of urgency and, and Middleton being ready for the season and taking a while to get going. That was a part of it for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And it is kind of, um, you got to be careful because you can't run back two years in a row of, well, if, uh, if we were full strength and Giannis got hurt and the year prior, mm-hmm. Chris got hurt, those are components uh, to it, but you are a team that's getting older. So, you know, sooner or later, the excuses can start to pile up and then you're just kind of left with looking around and saying, well, maybe we are what we are. I, I think with Chris specifically though, that was a big chunk of their problems two years ago. And, and we've talked about this too it wasn't all of it. It was a big part, but certainly the half court offense wasn't great. Chris is a big part of that. We saw the same thing last year, but, but with this um, procedure specifically, he kind of alluded to this in that sit down that he had with Eric name too earlier in the year, that this has kind of been an annual thing and it just kind of extended. And, And I talked about this the other day on a different show too, that, you know, you and I may have touched on this prior too, that I, I think Chris more than anybody has been impacted by this workload the last three years where you think about the start and stop and and restart with the bubble and how that drug into the next uh, nearly calendar year, you had what two months off after the bubble. Then you start a new season that goes all the way until late July. Then three days after you win the title, two days, something like that. He and drew are hopping on a plane, going to Japan, playing in the Olympics then you come back, you have about a month, you start a new season that goes all the way till the end. Then he suffers an injury and has to rehab in the off season. So long story short, it's, it's just been a lot these last three years for Chris that I think having five months off while you don't want that long off season for the obvious reasons, I think it's something that's going to benefit Chris Middleton more than any other player uh, on this Bucks roster, assuming he is part of the Bucks roster in, in a couple of months here. So I think that's a, a big part of it, but also, you can't dispute the value that he brought offensively in that series against the heat. I don't think any of us had any questions. It it took a little bit of an on-ramp during the course of the season, but he answered those questions offensively. I I think more than anything, you left that series wondering if he was going to be the same guy defensively. And I Mm -hmm. guess I I choose to be an optimist and say, well, maybe this, maybe this, maybe since today, maybe this had something to do with it. (laughs) Uh, maybe this had something to do with it. And this procedure is something that's going to help him out on that end of the floor. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I heard some comments and I was listening to some shows today when I was traveling where it's like, well, if Middleton was able to do X, Y, Z, and I don't remember his stat line in that series against the heat on a bum knee, you know, what might he be able to do if he's fully healthy next year? Um, and I, that's the optimistic way to look at it. I also didn't love the way Chris Middleton played in that series against the heat, he scored and he hit shots. And I think we've talked about this. I I just think sometimes in those big series, a little bit less can do a whole lot more. 
because I would rather have a, a clean 25 than a dirty 30 or, or, you know, a dirty, I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but I guess it just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I will take the clean, efficient 25 with a couple assists and some rebounds as opposed to him trying to do more and, and maybe doing more and scoring 35, but turning the ball over and having some bad, especially live ball turnovers or trying to take a shot, you know, in transition and missing. So I, I, I want Chris Middleton healthy hundred percent. I also don't know if he needs to be super explosive offensively. I, I don't need him pouring in 40 points. I need him to be a viable option with Giannis in the pick and roll when the offense gets stagnant. And I think that's where they really missed him against Boston last year. And, and they missed him a little bit in, in that regard against Miami a few months ago too. Um, definitely where they missed him against Boston. And we've talked to Kane and I've talked about it. He and Frank have talked about it already this off season and uh, a long off season already, but um what you may see differently under Adrian Griffin. And to me, Chris is an interesting uh, component there again, assuming that he is back with this team, because I think the easy thing to point to in the low hanging fruit is, well, you got to use Giannis as a screener more, but mm -hmm. you also, you need a reliable ball handler to be the second man in that two man. And I, I do think Chris is, is better at it than he gets credit for, but you, you go back to that, that series against Miami and I think part of the challenge there with where maybe you saw that volume decrease uh, the last two or so years of Giannis as the screener versus Giannis kind of running the offense is, you know, we got to the point where, especially in the playoffs with guys, you were you're going to play playoff minutes, three guys that you trusted to handle the ball and run the offense. And that's the difficult part of saying, well, just use Giannis as the screener more. What about the minutes where one of those guys is off the floor or doesn't yeah, and, and you cut out for just a second, but I, I, I get the premise of what you said. And I, I point this out all the time on my show. In 2021, the finals, if, if you put a line graph to Giannis's usage as a screener, it went up in every single round. And I remember Zach Lowe writing yeah. about it in like January. In the regular season, yeah. Yeah, he was like, wait a minute, they're, they're, they're tapping into something here. And, and there's a million different angles, you know, to discuss Giannis and his usage as a screener or as a, as a facilitator, as a ball handler in the offense. Like, I'm curious to ask you because you're around the team and you're around these guys. Does Giannis, is there some part of Giannis as an NBA superstar that doesn't want to set screens and he'll do it begrudgingly when it's working really well, but he wants to default back to being at the top of the key, trying to break guys down. Or, or was that a coach bud thing where it, it just, it seemed to get away from them at times and they didn't use Giannis as much. Is that what Giannis prefers or was that a, a, what coach Bud kind of leaned towards? Giannis, as, as we've come to learn, prefers to do whatever the strategy is that that's being implemented. Now he has his preferences, but by and large, that's what he's going to do. And I, I think it simply boiled down to he was their best playmaker and, and has been for, for years as, you know, Drew Holiday, as, as good as he has been, and I know the playoffs have been a different story offensively for him, but as good as he has been, he's not a, a playmaker per se, not the traditional playmaking point guard that you think of. He, he still gets his guys good looks by his ability to penetrate. And you think about their corner threes and how those go up again, that's not anything that's going to benefit Giannis, but he can still get his guys looks, but Giannis is their best at that. So again, that's, part of the conversation and the other side of the coin too is does this make our offense better or is it you know is minimizing Giannis maybe something that Adrian Griffin says no I want to continue to use him this way we have to change what the other four guys do and to me we spent so much time on, on Chris I'm more curious about Brooke Lopez and what his future is 
uh, with this team that we don't have the answers on yet. And, and part of that is going to be how does the league react to the CBA? But some of the things we heard from Adrian Griffin about their defense and, and how they're going to pressure the ball and do some things differently. Uh, I don't think it, it's something that doesn't fit Brooke Lopez, but you do wonder, okay, this, this isn't the drop defense that you're going to be running and not necessarily you won't, but you're not going to be only running the drop defense. And, and what does that mean? for a guy like uh, Brooke Lopez. So again, that's, that's probably going to be one of the bigger things that it's just wait and see mode as uh, the off season starts to advance here for the Bucks. Well, first of all, thanks on the CBA, by the way, I thought we were talking CBA. I spent like five hours last night reading the whole thing and taking notes. So I guess I'll, I'll save that. I'll save that knowledge for a different time, but I, your, um your point about Brooke is a good one and the guys around Giannis. And, and it, it gets me thinking like there's so many plays where it's Giannis at the top of the key or at the wing or wherever, and he's dribbling and everyone else is standing and watching. And we get frustrated and you're like, that's not a good way to use Giannis. Well, what if Giannis dribbled there and everyone else moved, right? Like we talk about how you don't want to have more than one guy on the court who can't shoot, right? Because that slows down the offense. That makes things easier for the defense. It's a lot easier for an entire defense to key on Giannis when they know their guy isn't going anywhere, right? So I, I think maybe there's an adjustment. You talk about all the other guys. Maybe all the other guys, they can find a way to utilize those pieces around Giannis. And I, I, I think Adrian Griffin will probably have plenty of ideas on how to use Giannis too, but there's a lot of sets where everyone's just standing around. And that makes it so easy to key on Giannis and focus on stopping him. And when you know that the team as a whole is shooting 30% or worse from three in the playoffs and, and you can sag off of those uh, shooters just a, a little bit more. Today's episode brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. When you enter promo code locked on NBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. They make you look good. Stretch khaki shorts designed to uh, fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. If you could only see uh, how I look with these right now, uh, they, they're the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit much, much, much better. Bird Dogs fixed this issue, investing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So it feels like a gym short and you get way slimmer fit throughout uh, without having to sacrifice movement they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day again birddogs.com slash locked on nba when you enter promo code locked on they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order we mentioned um some of the things that uh, had started to change here um, for the Bucks in, well, not necessarily change, but we mentioned Chris Middleton and uh, the pending free agency, the surgery that, uh, that he is uh, dealing with now. The other thing is uh, we've seen this coaching staff start to get filled out uh, here. Not necessarily full. I don't know if it's uh, actually full just yet, but a lot of uh, names starting to matriculate here. So we knew about uh, Terry Stotts, being uh, reintroduced to the Bucks here. So that's a, a big thing that we can get stats with Stotts back in the mix now. And uh, Vin Baker, as we learned today, will be retained. Vin Baker will be back as an assistant coach. That certainly good news for, uh, for the team here. And uh, the other thing is um, 
Boy, just really struggling with the banners here. But Vin Baker added to the team, added to the assistant staff as well, I should say. And uh, now four more names to uh, throw out there at you. So uh, Joe Prunty is the one that Bucks fans are going to be most familiar with. Yes, the same Joe Prunty who guided the Bucks to a 21-16 and 16 record in 2018 after uh, Jason Kidd was dismissed. And shortly before Mike Budenholzer was uh, brought in, he, of course, coached the Bucks in that series against the Celtics he was 2-0 actually as a uh, head coach interim with the Hawks last year after Nate McMillan had gotten Mm -hmm. fired and spent the last uh, four seasons split between the Suns and the Atlanta Hawks I didn't know Joe Prunty all that uh, well I was still very new into the job Uh, but nobody had anything bad to say about uh, Joe Prunty he was beloved by his players and within the organization and I think you saw that really quite a bit it, whenever the Suns would come to Milwaukee or the Hawks were in town the last couple of years and seeing how the players went out of their way to catch up with Joe and embrace him. Uh, Joe Prunty, like Terry Stotts, head coaching experience, a little bit different head coaching experience, but head coaching experience nonetheless, uh, stabilized things uh, upon Jason Kidd's exit and almost took down the Celtics, took him to seven games. My only gripe about that playoff series is maybe I would have called the timeout when the Celtics were really cutting into that large lead or I guess building their large lead late in the game. One of my favorite tweets on Twitter that I still go back and find is Nick Wright tweeting is Joe Prunty in a coma with like 10 question marks. I just will never forget that tweet. I always laugh. I just think, look, the more guys that you can stick on the staff like Joe Prunty, I don't know what Joe Prunty's good at. I don't know his coaching special, like you and and people around the Bucks, we able to speak to that. And I'm sure Eric will write stories and, and, and we'll have lots of content to consume. I just like guys who have been around, who've been around and gone through the cycle of, of a season, the ups and downs, the travel, everything. So that when Adrian Griffin is coming to a point in the season where there's frustration around this, or they're going through difficulty with this, Terry Stotts, Joe Prunty, obviously Vin Baker's been around a while. They can say, Hey, this happens every year. Here's how we deal with it. Right. This is, this is what guys prefer this time of year. Just, just the little things. Right. And I think that will take a lot of the burden off of Adrian Griffin's plate, which will be nice. I, I specifically Terry Stotts or Joe Prenny. I don't know. I just like that they've been around. Right. And I think the the fact that Bucks fans know Terry Stotts' name, and that's a name that we can cling to as, as someone who's experienced. I think that's that's the big thing is the experience. And, and Joe Prunty uh, to that point. So uh, yeah. they do bring experience. I agree with you that you just don't know what it's like to be a head coach until you start doing it. And it's no different from any other job that you Mm -hmm. you just got to get out there and do it. Um, But I, what strikes me here is, you know, John horse talked about it a little bit at the introductory press conference and some of the analytics that they looked into with the coaching search, Um, but not just what's your game plan and and how are we going to play in tactician type things, but game management he went out of his way to mention. And I think that's something too, that having guys like Joe Prunty, who for a half season was the Bucks head coach, did it, as I mentioned, for two games with the Hawks, but just has a number of years of experience as an assistant and on national teams. And Terry Stotts, uh, over 10 years, what, 12, 13 years as a head coach, nine of those in Portland, and a number of years as one of the top assistants in the league uh, as well. These guys bring you that experience when you talk about game management and should we use a timeout here or what are some things we look for the two for ones and use it or lose it timeouts, all those things. So having those veteran guys certainly going to be helpful for a, uh, a new coach. And then 
Uh, three other names. He's going to have uh, some familiar faces. So first, Patrick Matumbo was announced with Joe Prunty or reported yeah. with Joe Prunty, I should say. Uh, spent last year with the Phoenix Suns and for six or seven years was in Toronto with the Raptors and with the Raptors G League affiliate, the uh, Raptors 905 team. He coached them for two years, I believe, won a G League championship with them. He coached Alex Dedekumpo when he was on the uh, Raptors 905 and broke into the league with George Carl over a decade ago. Uh, Nate Mitchell also coming from Toronto and experience uh, with the Raptors. He also started in the G League. He also spent three years on the uh, Raptors G League staff apart from uh, other stops and was a part of the uh, Canadian national team. And then DJ Baker, who had some time, I believe, with the Pistons, another G League guy, and also worked with Dwayne Casey for six years in Toronto and, I, and most recently in Detroit with the Pistons. So a lot of familiar faces here for uh, Adrian Griffin and guys that he worked with in Toronto. And, and we already touched on the experienced ones in Joe Prunty and Terry Stotts and what those are bringing. But Patrick Matumbo, um, we obviously don't know a lot about him, but very highly regarded throughout the league. And another thing that you've, you've heard pop up with a couple of these guys, Nate Mitchell was another one too, is their ability to work with young guys and help, develop them that uh, Patrick Matumbo um, arrived in Toronto or coached the G League team after uh, guys like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet really started to take off but both he and um, and Nate Mitchell had some credit not necessarily for being the main reason but for helping develop Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and uh, you know same with Adrian Griffin that Jimmy Butler is, is probably the biggest success story going out of his way to say how much of an impact he made on him. Yeah, now we just need some young guys to develop, I guess. Oh, yeah, Marjan. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. And and maybe we need to have discussions this summer about exactly, you know, what we expect from Marjan and what the Bucks need from Marjan, you know, for this team to to have success in any iteration past, you know, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and and of course Giannis. But I, I like that they are they're 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 pulling guys from systems that I like. Like Toronto is is very respected. I think with the Adrian Griffin hire. A lot, a lot of fans, and I, I talk to a lot of fans because I take calls on my show and texts and tweets, and 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 a lot of fans were like, well, if you like Nick Nurse, just hire Nick Nurse. Why are you taking his assistant? Why are you? Well, I, I think they like the idea of what Nick Nurse was doing in Toronto. They liked the development. They liked the, the everything that went along with that program that's run up there and, and the players that have come out of it, and a lot of coaches that have come out of it. I don't know that they wanted it in, in the Nick Nurse package. Like, I think they wanted a first time. They, I think they wanted a, a former player, first time head coach. We heard all these things. Who was going to bring a lot of those same principles? So it doesn't surprise me at all that he's going for a lot of, you know, guys on that staff or guys with connections. I mean, that's how guys build out their staff for the first time is it's people that they've worked with. But I like that Joe Prunny, Terry Stotts, Oppenheimer's been there. And I believe name, put it out there that name and, or not name, but Baker and Oppenheimer are going to be back. Oh, so I think it's a, a good combination of of continuity with some guys who've been there, some young assistants who hopefully are going to bring a lot of fresh ideas of their own, and then some some stalwarts that have been around the league and can provide a lot of wisdom. Yeah, Josh Oppenheimer back for uh, another tour of duty, three head coaches that uh, he has worked with now his time uh, in Milwaukee, but it shows you the value of just hitting it off with Giannis. Also, Adrian Griffin, yeah. because you, know, you mentioned those points about Nick Nurse. Um, I agree that it was, hey, we want something like this, and we, and we want – the idea of this, 
let's see how the personality meshes. And I think that's where Adrian Griffin uh, really knocked it out of the park. Not just with Giannis. I think we've made too much out of, well, this is a Giannis hand-picked hire. I think everything, he checked all the boxes with his background. Very similar to Darvin Ham, not to get into it again, but it was a matter of time. So he was a guy that paid his dues. And I think everything they heard, they fell in love with. And it, it checked all the boxes that the uh, the Bucks were looking for. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yes, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel, great promotions every day. It's safe and secure on their app. You get paid instantly. No better way to follow along throughout the uh, NBA Finals here if you don't have a rooting interest in seeing Nikola Jokic take down the Miami Heat. Well, just play along with FanDuel. No better place to bet all the playoff action. That's America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. To, to quickly round it out here, as we mentioned, Josh Oppenheimer back, Vin Baker back as well. Um, Charles Lee, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with him. It's it's probably not going to be here in Milwaukee. That's always kind of an awkward thing where you were in the running and you don't see that guy joining the staff unless it's a, well, only a matter of time type of thing. Not to say Charles Lee won't find a job in the near future. Kevin Young of Phoenix is going to be on Frank Vogel's staff, but that was another one where it seemed like they were very, very neck and neck there. What do what do we think about that? Because I did, who did I do in it? I did some form of content with someone earlier this week. I think it was with our, I think it was with our guy Bart. And we were talking about the difference in the way the Bucks went about their coaching decision versus the Suns. Because the Bucks were like, we're going to get the young first time guy, hopefully grow and build with him. And we're going to support him with the guys with head coaching experience, right? Like Terry Stotts, like that was, and I think the Bucks did a good job in following through that with the plan. And the Suns did the opposite. They said, we are going to pay our young guy a lot of money and make him first chair to the experienced head coach. And I, if the Suns have any aspirations one day of making Kevin Young their head coach, this is not a good way to go about it, right? Like, um, Well, this is a good way to go about it for Kevin Young, I think. This is interesting sure. for Frank Vogel that it's, okay, I'll mm-hmm. take – like. It's clear Matt Ishbia is willing to spend, and it's it's you know uh, Dave, David Fisdale added to the staff as well. So they're spending for their assistance. That's going to be a very good staff. But if you get off to a slow start, these are always the interesting ones where you have one of those benches and you have one of those coaches. Not to suggest you would fire Frank Vogel a year in, but if things start to go south, and you're in year two or midway through year three, that's where it starts to get interesting when you have the young guy that's highly thought of as the number one seat on your bench. But that guy's not going to coach for the Suns, right? Like, if, if it goes well with Frank Vogel, he's there two, three years. It's about the life of, of an average NBA coach right now. Kevin Young, you're saying? No, no, no. Frank Vogel's going to coach, you know, two, three years, two, three, four years, depending on how it goes. Somewhere in that ballpark, Kevin Young's just supposed to sit and wait. Like, I... Fans always think of of assistant coaches and head coaches. We think of succession, 
right? Like for years I heard, well, Jim Leonard's hanging around because he knows he's going to, there's been some agreement he replaces Paul Chris. I'm like, no, there's not. I, I had one of my smarter listeners tweet me, or I believe he's smarter. He normally has good takes. He tweeted me that Terry Stotts was very interested in joining the staff because he doesn't buy into Adrian Griffin and therefore wants to be in pole position to take over. I'm like, that's not how this works. That's not how it, it's not succession. There's you're, you don't get to be next up. So I just wonder what the end game is for the Suns. If they love Kevin Young, just hire him. Yeah, well, I don't, uh, it, it's not a, with the succession reference, I don't think it's a Shiv Roy move here where all of a sudden Kevin Young is just going to turn on Frank Vogel. I think part of this is they love Kevin Young and they know this is a transition uh, period. They feel like they have a team that can compete for a championship and you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, who loves Kevin Young, that I think a big part of this is we know you're probably going to leave in the very short term future here. So we'll, we'll kick up your money a little bit, give you a nice pay increase to help smooth over the transition and bridge the gap here into the Frank Vogel tenure. And maybe it's next year that he's gone, but I think you're basically paying to, Hey, help us bridge the gap and and get through this next year. That makes sense. I just, and, and, you know, I, I think in the NFL, something that we've really learned over the last decade is, Having the best offensive coordinator in the league is great, but that also means you're just grooming someone's next Next head coach, coach. right? So better to just pony up the money, make that guy your head coach and take your lumps. Like even if Kyle Shanahan right away is not a perfect head coach or Matt LaFleur, the offensive system that you are holding onto and locking into your team is, is really important. So I, I just wonder, because all we heard throughout this process was the Suns, they love Kevin Young. He's going to be the coach. Don't even, don't worry about it. And we heard, you know, similar things about other coaching hires that turned out not to be true. So it's, it's not like that's a, a total, you know, unbelievable situation, but if you like the young assistant, hire him. The Suns have also kind of put themselves in a weird situation where it's win now, but I also don't think they have enough talent to win now. And I don't really know how they get there right now, but also you can't hire a rookie coach to go with the win now roster. So the Suns are, the Suns are just. Well, well the Bucks, uh, the Bucks would appear to buck that trend, or at least hope they do. I also think the Bucks have a longer runway, and I like. I thought Chris Paul would be around for longer, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not even 100 percent sure what the hell's going on there. Like, yeah, where, where exactly we stand? Um, well, let me let me ask you this: If you were the the most sought after head coach, and Philly and Milwaukee and Phoenix all offered you the same amount of money, where would you have gone? Um, boy, that, uh, so I, I, um, not to alienate uh, locked on bucks listeners here, but that's fine. I would probably put the sun's job ahead of the bucks job. I would put the bucks in, in front of the, the Philadelphia job because I know there's uncertainty two years from now with, uh, with Giannis and you do have a roster that's getting older. Uh, but I don't see how you can't say there's similar uncertainty in Philadelphia. Who knows if James Harden leaves, in this off season here. And if you continue to, to come up short, we assume it's a matter of time before Joel Embiid says, you know what? I'm good. Can you uh, facilitate a deal for me? Whereas in Phoenix, Devin Booker is still young. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is he's, he's continued to, to really come into his own. And I think as long as he's there with Kevin Durant and you have Kevin Durant locked up for, for what, three more years, I believe. So I, I think, that's another thing that's going to help Kevin Durant transition as he continues to get older and a lot of miles and injuries on the develop and grow. And, and he becomes the guy and Kevin Durant is eventually 
the Batman to his Robin, that's another thing that's going to help extend his career. That's also a trope that we thought was going to be true in LA with Anthony Davis and LeBron. And I'm not saying that that can't work as logic. I just, we've thought that that was going to be the plan for other teams and it hasn't turned out to be the case. So I'm, I'm interested to see that in Phoenix and whether or not that works. I'm not sure what to make of Phoenix because I'm not really sure what DeAndre Ayton's deal is. I'm not, I, I'm just not sure. I need to, I need to see it. The East and the Bucks and the Sixers, I feel like I have a better grasp on. I think the Bucks and the Sixers both made the right hire for themselves. I think Nick Nurse makes more sense in Philly. Philly has been very transactional over the last couple of years. They've rotated Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler. They've had lots of guys come and go, right? They are plugging and playing. And now Daryl Morey's there, right? Who's never afraid to shake it up. Like they, they by fluke missed out on the NBA finals and they couldn't wait to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Like they, they're movers and shakers. I think Nick Nurse is a guy who comes in right away, jolts your franchise and is really good. Like I think of him as Jim Harbaugh, where he's going to come in and get results right away might start to wear out his welcome before too long. Might, I, I, I don't know, might, but that's what we read it. Strong personality, right? And that's okay for Philly. I think that fits Philly. If they get, uh, if Harden comes back and they get results in year one, year two with Nick Nurse, and that's how long it lasts, that's fine. The Bucks haven't gone about their business that way. So I think the Bucks are trying to build for the next however many years. I think they're thinking more into the future where the Sixers have been very much here and now, this year, how can we do it? even if it means rotating guys in and out. So I think the Bucks and the Sixers both hired the right coach for, for their situations. I don't know about Phoenix. I don't, I don't know. I think uh, people in Toronto would probably chuckle when you said Nick Nurse might wear out his welcome and, and wear on people. And, and you, you probably heard a lot of vigorous nodding from, uh, from up North. And, and those... so, okay. So I thought you were laughing because I was going too much. Like I was, no, I, okay. I, so I, I don't want to speak out. Of I school. think that's putting it kindly. Okay. I, I get, not to, same. I don't want to speak out of school here, but everything that I have heard um, about Nick Nurse and from people with the Raptors uh, seemed like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work here. So I, I was not surprised that you went with Adrian Griffin over Nick Nurse. Well, I and Nick Nurse might be perfect in, in that he might show up and like he might crack some skulls right away. And, and maybe that's what Philly needs. I think Jimmy Butler would probably say that's what Philly needs. I don't know if Embiid and Harden are going to respond to that, right? If but Harden's it's there. also it's also not working right now, right? Like what they've yeah. been doing isn't working. So if Philly tries something else and it doesn't work, okay, whatever. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think Nick Nurse could work really well for Philly. I don't know if he would have worked really well for Milwaukee. I also think again, if James Harden is back, I also think Harden and and Embiid could have tuned out a rookie head coach like that. Where I don't know that Giannis will. As long as he's competent, like I, I don't think I, I, I just think the fit is good for both teams. And I, I think that's what's interesting about coaching hires and about sports. A longer uh, discussion we'll have to do next time on the whole, this isn't working and, and this didn't work that let's just, let's make a minor tinker here because I think you can make a strong case. It's not just uh, this off season. It's not two, just two years ago for the Bucks that for a handful of years now, those those top three teams are three teams at the top of the East for a couple of years now. And the Bucks, the Sixers, and the, the Celtics kind of in the same spot where it's we we love 75% of what we got. Yeah. But it just didn't work. So we we got to find here's plan B and here's plan C. And for the Bucks, plan B was getting Drew Holiday and it got you a championship. And now we're on to another change. For the Sixers, it was let's bring in James Harden. We think this will work. And now it's, well, let's, let's get a new coach. We think this will work. So it's, it's yeah. kind of a revolving door 
with those in Boston, maybe in the same spot, assuming what, that they bring back Jalen Brown. What do you think Boston should do? I'm curious. With Jalen Brown specifically? Well, what should they do, period? What would you well, do in, in this offseason? It, it's too hard to walk away from that. I, I think you have to kind of run it back and, and say, we'll bring back Jalen Brown. I mean, he's he's too young and too talented to just give up on him for now, at least mm-hmm. this season that I think you, you just look to make smaller scale moves. And, and the other thing, and I'm curious to hear part two and, and more what Frank has to say. Um, I'm just curious and, and fascinated to see what happens this summer with the CBA, because when it first came out, um, there was a lot of assumptions that this isn't good. And especially for teams like the Bucks, like this, this is bad. This is the worst possible scenario. But I think, you know, whenever we change, we all automatically assume the worst when oh. something is different. So I think that is part of it. But I'm just curious, you know, how are teams going to react to this? Because it takes a couple of years to figure out the CBA and its loopholes and, and what do we have to look for here. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if teams are just going to say, you know what, screw it. We're, we might be second. We're going to be second apron teams. We'll figure it out next year. And yeah. you just treat it like, like a credit card where it's, I don't have the money now, but I think I will in 30 days. So yeah, let's buy that TV. And that's what we see. Um, or, the other part too that I'm I'm very curious to to see as the summer unfolds is is there actually going to be more of a market for veterans on minimums than we thought there would be because the taxpayer mid level has shrunk now to I think five million dollars the overall mid level is increased and teams basically have to spend money so you can't just wait for the luxury tax payouts but are veteran guys just going to take yeah I'll take that ten million dollars and or 12 million, I believe it is, and go to this team that I know isn't going to win. Well, yeah. And and you can't join a team on a buyout either once you have that contract. That's what, well, and look, I hate the CBA. You are correct that we always hate change. I think the CBA is, is trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. This is a different conversation for a different podcast. What I think is a bummer is that we could be past the days of Bobby Portis on the Bucks or Derek White on the Celtics, where you have sure. these really good basketball players that aren't ones or twos, but they play such a good role. And they it's going to be a, a revolving door cast yeah. is, is what this is kind of setting up as is a year to year. You got to find who the new role player is. So play for nothing on a contender. If you're Bobby Portis, Derek White, any of these guys, or go make money and, and be irrelevant on a team that's not any good. And I, I just don't know how that's good. I don't know how this is good for basketball. Derek White on the Celtics is like he adds so much and he's such a, a, a and I hate the Celtics, but like he's such an integral, but he adds so much to that team. If every team is the best guy and the second best guy and then a bunch of nothing, well, that takes so much of the nuance and the interesting little wrinkles out of some of these playoff series. So I don't think it's great for fans. Like Derek White could still be on the Celtics. He just has to make absolutely no money. And I don't see how that's fair to Derek White. But again, it's new. I hate it. You're right, but I also think it sucks. It gives gives you parity, but uh, I, I we have larger parody. larger larger discussion on whether or not that actually improves interest yeah. in uh, the regular season. As I mentioned at the top, they can hear you uh, in Lacrosse, the great city of Lacrosse, in Madison as well, on the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, the NBA Lounge is, I know, well known throughout the state, and maybe even at this point nationally. Well, I, uh, I've caught you listening once or twice where you'll be on me to, <laughs> to disagree with something. I'm like, hmm, Justin is tuned in. All right. Well, we're yeah, I forgot something. I wasn't on the burner account at that point. And 
Uh, I know we've talked about uh, getting our pal Dan Smichik, a proud UWL alum, and organizing a caravan, uh, a Buck-specific caravan up to lacrosse at some point. So I'll, I'll have to, and maybe if he's listening now too, put the pressure on him. But Yo. I'll have to text Dan and see if we can get that going. Vinny Rotino reached out last year and said he's interested too, so we can make it a cross-board thing. They used um, to play preseason games around the state, Justin. I, I, I do know that. I, I attended one of those games. Um and we'll, we'll, on the flip side, we'll see if we can arrange a lacrosse listener caravan for you to bring the audience down and attend the live show that we're going to do on the 28th of June. As a reminder, June 28th, 7 p.m. at Broken Bat Brewing. I think I'm going to need to be there for that. And I'm going to make everyone uncomfortable because I'm going to sit in the front row and I'm going to I'm going to be a very active. I, I'm good with the gesture. By, by everyone, you mean the other, the other three people that are going to be there. So. Oh, come on. You guys will pull a big crowd. Hold on. Well, you said June, June 28th? I'm June 28th. Well, it's it's Kane and uh, Frank that are going to attract the uh, the big crowd. How does, first of all, don't sell yourself short. Second of all, Kane lives in Australia. He somehow ends up covering the NBA finals. I work in downtown lacrosse and I can't get like even a discount ticket to see Ario Speedwagon at the lacrosse center. How, how's Kane pulling this off? Uh, unbelievable. He, he's uh, past all of us that uh, he just randomly met up with. I may still have those DMS of my first introduction to him. And now all of a sudden he's the guy working for ESPN and this, this big national celebrity uh, grant. I will uh, not take up any more of your time and let you enjoy this fabulous weekend in the beautiful city, I think, of La Crosse, Wisconsin. A lot to do, especially this time of year. I'm going to be this weekend, this Saturday, I'm going to be at Wrigley Field for Ooh, night two okay. of Dead Co. And if I have to hear Touch of Grey as the crowning penultimate song for the third year in a row, I'll be thrilled because it'll be a fun show. But also deep down, I'll be like, God damn it. <sighs> not enough Touch of Grey's. But yeah, thank you, Justin. I appreciate you anytime. All right, Grant Bills, again, you can hear him on the Wisco Sports Show. More from Frank Madden throughout uh, this upcoming week to get you caught up on the rest of the CBA. We'll talk to you next time.